Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. So right now, I can, you know, give a little, give a little sneak reveal of what we're working on. So we're working on local adjustments right now um, for, 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 for the app. That's something that, that's, that's very important. Obviously, Pixmated Photo for Mac as well. Welcome back to our episode of iPad Pros. In this episode, we continue this deep dive into the photography world with Andreas from Pixelmator, who last time we spoke was in the marketing team, but is transitioning to the development side of things and is currently working on Pixelmator Photo for the Mac. In this discussion, we cover a lot of ground focusing mainly on Pixelmator Photo, but also touch on their other apps. We last spoke for episode 49 of this show when the company had just launched Pixelmator Photo, so a lot to catch up on in this episode. Pixelmator Photo has become my favorite photo editing tool for iPad and iPhone. It is my default place I go. I just find the feature set and UI wrapping around it the best out there of anything I've seen for editing on iPad. So it is my favorite uh, right now. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that in two places. Over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the podcast, even a dollar a month on Patreon, goes a long, long way and is greatly appreciated. That's patreon.com slash iPadPros. With that, here's my interview all about Pixelmator. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Andreas. Thanks for having me back. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a while longer than I thought. When I, when I saw the, uh, the email, you mentioned it. it was 2019. I was last time. I thought, time really does fly as, I, as, as corny as that sounds. Um, yeah. Plot, yeah. Yeah. We last chatted uh, April 2019. This is when Pixelmator Photo was a brand new app. And uh, now it's been a couple years and there's a lot of chat about. And <laughs> I'm excited uh, to dive into all this stuff because um, in this time uh, when Pixelmator Photo came out, I wasn't huge in the photography and now I am. So it's like, oh, I actually. That's pretty great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> So I actually am really appreciating things that we chatted about back then that I didn't fully understand the full ramifications <laughs> of. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So we're now version 2.1, and a lot's been added over the years. Um, we've got things like Pro Raw support, iPhone support, uh, machine powered, machine powered uh, denoising. Uh, the photo library is much better. Apple Pencil support, including this hover support that we'll have to chat about in a bit here. Uh, LUT support and extended dynamic range support for raw photos. Any Anything else I've, I've missed uh, from the past couple of years that, that's worth bringing up? Um, so I opened up um, the uh, the old updates page on our website just to take a quick look. And yeah, there's, there's a few more things, a few more sort of quite notable things, I would say. Um, one of the first things that was added um towards the end of 2019 was batch editing which is quite a quite a big thing for some people yeah um then and they'll match colors pretty pretty big that is such a cool feature where i have this photo i like how the colors look and like let me get in the range of like that kind of look and it does a good job of like i haven't edited this photo but i like how this one looks let me just match it so you like throw in like A screenshot from like maybe uh, Lord of the Rings example. I use a heavily color grade. I want a Lord of the Rings looking shot. You could like color match it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. That's a, I really like that feature. Um, other stuff on well, preset management was a pretty cool cool addition where where we 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 added the ability to customize uh, presets, create preset groups, make them shareable. I think we could do some we could do a better job of making that kind of easier maybe to 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 find and and, and get people more into sharing the preset because I haven't seen it. People doing much of that, but it's it's there. Um, obviously, I'm not sure. I think you mentioned NL Super Resolution that was added in 2020, um, and that's such yeah. a cool feature. Uh, and something I just want to mention about the Super Resolution is on the new iPhones with the 64 megapixel capture. I've ran into this issue a couple times. It's not consistent because I guess sometimes the 64 will get more data than not. It just depends on the shot. It's actually improved the resolution beyond what the iPhone can edit. So I have to go to yeah. the iPad to finish editing. Uh, it's it's kind of a bizarre thing because like uh, when you design the iPhone app, this was something that uh, wasn't a thing. We had twelve megapixel and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think people sometimes tend to use the the super resolution feature kind of just like okay, well, I want the the kind of increased resolution. Let me just apply it. But it's mostly designed, I would say, for 
for actually lower res photos. If you've got an iPhone shot, I mean, it's, the resolution is is sufficient unless you're going to sort of be printing it on a billboard or something yeah. know, on a really big poster. So you know, yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's quite funny that that it increases the resolution <laughs> past what the what the iPhone can actually open and edit. Um, yeah, and the know, file with, size with makes it that you really don't want to use it unless like you need it. Like, um, yeah, it's like because yeah. your file sizes will grow larger and. So I'll use it selectively. Oh, I'm doing a print. Let me super resolution this. Or she said low resolution stuff. I can grab stuff from the web and like make it usable for some kind of project I'm working on. And that's been really cool. Like I can use pixelated like icons. I can like, I used this at a wedding where we had these icons of like, like vegetarian or beef. And I saved these little icons that were pretty much useless to something printable and usable, which is cool. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, well, another cool little thing that I that I that I saw um, is probably not a super well known feature, but the on image curves adjustment, where you can kind of like tap the little icon in the in the curve adjustment and actually drag parts of the photo to adjust those specific tonal ranges on the curves adjustment. It's a very cool little little sort of advanced feature that, that I really like. Yeah, and that's something. That implements with the pencil really well. Um, I've yeah. not really mastered this. I still stick to the sliders and avoid curves because it it feels like I want to either do the sliders or do curves, and that they kind of like I don't know. I'm not. Sh- Can you explain kind of like curves and the on image curves, especially like um, kind of what the process is for editing that way versus doing more slider based editing? Yeah. So well, curves gives you kind of more control over the specific tonal range you'll be, you'll be affecting. So, for example, we've got adjustments like contrast, uh, let's say. Um, then you have various... There's, there's the kind of... The way we program contrast to work where it increases, the, uh, let's say, uh, darkens the shadows and brightens the highlights to increase contrast or the opposite to decrease contrast. Um, whereas with curves, you've got that sort of diagonal line which represents the brightness values in the image. And let's say you want to just darken slightly just the very darkest parts of the shadows. Then you put the point towards the sort of bottom left corner and drag that. And that way, only that area is darkened. And you can sort of add another point to, to straighten out the curve. Uh, because what the, the curve represents input and output values, which is quite a confusing maybe way yeah. to think about it but, it. but it does help to understand it. So input and output. So the diagonal curve, when it's all straight, it means that all the basic like brightness values in, from 0 to 256 um, they're not changing anyway. Whereas if you drag a curve uh, at a point and drag a curve down, then let's say the, you know, the brightness value 10, uh, if you drag it down, then it'll get darkened. Then it'll be the input is 10 and the output, let's say is eight. But yeah, you get, you get a sort of specific control over which parts of the, of the tonal range you actually adjust, uh, as opposed to sliders where you just get the kind of baked in tonal ranges. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So it's entire image editing versus selective. Parts yeah, 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 and selective parts of the shadows, let's say, and then you can straighten out the curve, and maybe instead of so when you do the contrast adjustment again, it will if you increase the contrast, it will darken the highlight, uh, darken the shadows, brighten the highlights, um, and but here you can just sort of darken the shadows slightly and brighten the highlights a lot, for example, which is so you couldn't do with the curve adjustment uh, with the contrast adjustment. Obviously, you could try and go in the highlights and shadows adjustment, but it's kind of people who kind of really know exactly which parts of the tonal ranges of their photo they want to kind of uh, change. It works great for them, but it's, it is, it is a more advanced feature. And it's a little bit, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of um, a bit scary to, to start working. With yeah. It. I've done it, it a couple stop. times and it, it, it takes a bit yeah. more, um, yeah, a bit more work than the, than the sliders and like just seeing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah with yeah. the on image uh, curve stuff, as I'm tapping on the screen, is it, it's looking at that exact part I'm tapping. Is that right? Right. So as I mentioned, it, it looks, it, it adjusts the brightness values, right? Um, uh, and so let's say you drag your finger on like the sky, it'll be like, all right, if you drag it down, it may, it'll, it will say, okay, this part of the sky has this specific brightness value. And let me just darken this particular area, um, of the, of the photo, uh, the, by the exact amount that you drag your finger. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if the background, kind of so if I'm like focused on me and this isn't, like older iPhones did a bad job about uh, the backgrounds well lit, but the subjects kind of hidden and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So if I like tap the background, which is super dark, it can brighten that aspect up. 
And is it what's kind of the splash zone? Is it looking at that lightness level or that particular part of the image? Like, is it getting it's, the it's whole the background level in the entire image? Yeah, the whole okay. background. No, the entire image, like, yeah, it's not it's not selective in that in that sense. Um, it's it's that brightness value, but in the entire image, and also obviously like because again, the color adjustment doesn't take like one specific again brightness value. So it's not like this very specific shade of gray. It will because there's a curve, so it will yeah. start the actual point goes on the curve, but then when the curve curves around that point, all the other values are affected just less, right? So there's right. Less, less like an offset, yeah. yeah. Okay, very cool. Anything else from the update uh, queue worth mentioning before we dive into? Th- uh, let me see. I think that's, that's. I mean, obviously the last thing that that, that, that uh, you had on the list, the other stuff was like, Pixel made a photo for iPhone, big thing, obviously, uh, the, the photo browser, um, and then the stuff that just came out just a couple of days ago, I guess, yeah, iPad OS 16. Uh, the new iPad Pro. Yeah, and the iPhone edition has been really cool because, like, there's a lot of times where I'm stuck somewhere. I've got ten minutes yeah. to kill. I don't want to have my iPad with me, and you can you can have a good little edit editing session, and that's that's a really enjoyable. Yeah, experience. I mean, when when the when the iPad app uh, first came out, well, the first the first version of Pixel Photo came out, we immediately you know started considering like and discussing. All right, so when are we gonna? Get the the iPhone version out because we have to have this app on our on our iPhone. We all we all wanted it, and uh, and yeah, it was it's, it was it was very fun to be able to finally release it. Yeah, and the interface it works well there. Like some apps, like they try to scale down their interface, and it's kind of hard to use. The iPhone, it, it's pretty natural fit there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it took it took a fair bit of work. I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh, to because to, we wanted to keep the same kind of controls uh, as 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 on the iPad, and there were there were there were, there were you know a few things we had to we had to to take care of to be able to do that because the sliders take up a lot of space and the way they're designed. Um, so I had to find you know a few ways to to sort of have a you know the expanded view that we have and a slightly smaller view, um, and 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 the presets as well because we have, we have we have the uh, the presets at the bottom, but also we have the film strip as well that we added. Uh, in the in the photo browser, so I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't easy. The designer definitely did a great job. Obviously. Yeah, no, yeah, and it, it shows. Um, so something I'm aware about now that I wasn't when we last chatted is the whole raw format um, scene. Uh, I'm capturing Pro Raw, and also I have a Sony um, EVZ10, I think it is, um, and that. Uh, camera is not yet supported by iPad OS or Mac OS natively, so I have to go kind of go through Lightroom, export the DNG, then beam it over the Pixel Mirror to do my editing. Is there a better way about that? Is that kind of the the way to to get these unsupported RAWs in there? You have to kind of use another app. Do you know of like shortcuts that any other apps have done to kind of do this more automated uh, to work with in Pixel Mirror? Yeah, not that I know of actually. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the, the the good thing is that. The app does support most, you know, most 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 raw formats that that people use, but there are a few that definitely that that, that stick out. Especially I know, like, I think Fujifilm compressed raw is a thing that people have been requesting a lot. Um, and yeah, and the and the workaround you've got is is, is the best one. It's not great, obviously. Um, we have been considering adding our own raw decoder, which is which is uh, something that that would require quite a lot of work. Um, but for these for these cameras, it's not it's not too difficult. Like uh, as far as I've spoken to the engineers, but obviously it's a, it's a, it's a still a very significant project because it touches like the very sort of foundations of the app. And with any any feature like that, it's always it's always you you, you want to approach it carefully because we do rely yes. on Apple's raw decoding, uh, obviously for for things for things right now, which is very which is just very easy to use out of the box really for the for the most part. So yeah, but the but um, but for now, I think I, I'm not aware of any apps that have shortcuts that, that could do. I mean, if 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 an app has its own raw decoder, creating a shortcut itself isn't too difficult. As far as yeah. I, mean, I, I did the actually I did the shortcuts integration um, in Pixelmator Pro, a lot of it. Um, so I know that creating shortcuts itself isn't isn't too tricky. Yeah, um, Apple done a great job. So, but, that, but I'm not aware of any any apps that can do uh, raw conversion shortcuts. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The two apps I know are raw power and Lightroom are the, are the two on iPad OS that kind of handle it. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's shortcuts to do what I'm looking for yet. And, uh, yeah, I I imagine it would be a lot of investment doing this within Pixelmator itself. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious what the, the Mac users you have with Pixelmator Pro, how that would affect them. And, um, imagine iPad people hook up with USB-C, uh, now more and more. And yeah, I'm curious what, what percentage? It might only be one percent and not worth doing, or it might be fifteen percent. I don't even know. I mean, long term, long term, I think we do want to do it. Um, as as far as as far as the long term vision for the app is, um, I think it's something we will probably need to address. Right now, we've got enough stuff to keep us busy um, for, the, for the sort of near to medium term future. But I think long term, it's something we will have to, to take a look at. And obviously, that would that would uh, we'd be able to use the same code in, in Pixelmator Pro. And, and photo, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just briefly, Pixelmator Pro um, is versus photo. So Pro's on the Mac. And can you kind of explain the difference between... <laughs> this is a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a very good question. Um, because I think, I think partly because of the name, um, people kind of equate the two apps uh, as in like, this is okay, Pixmeter Pro, Pixmeter Photos, like it's like what the same app. But actually, um, so the point is, Pixelmator Pro is the layer-based image editor. It's got layers, it's got vector tools, it's got painting tools. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, full, full-blown design, illustration, painting. Is it, is it almost like the successor to the original Pixelmator on iOS? Well, not, well, in, it's, like, is that app the original Pixmeter for Mac? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, because that app also did yeah. did layers and that kind of work, and it's not the photo based yeah. thing that retains all yeah. the yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, exactly. I mean, and also Pixmeter Photo still exists. It just got an update. Um, uh, also, uh, the same the same day that Pixmeter Photo did, uh, we added machine learning powered subject selection to it, which is a which is a very big feature um, for it. Um, and yeah, while Pixmeter Photo is just a completely dedicated photo editing app with like, you know, a, a workflow designed for working with lots of photos. And I really don't like using this, this comparison, but it's super like easy to understand. So Pixelmator yeah. Pro is basically like Photoshop, whereas Pixelmator Photo is essentially like Lightroom. I mean, right. like yeah. it's the kind of same category. Sure. And I think that kind of, and once you say that, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now, which yeah. is, yeah. And uh, that's, that's just, that's just how, that's just how it is. And our vision, our vision for the, for, for both these apps moving forward is to have Pixelmator Pro um, on the Mac and on, I, on iOS. Um, so Pixelmator for iOS, we're kind of going to be developing it. We've, we've been adding some, we, we added uh, support for Pixelmator Pro documents to Pixelmator for iOS. Uh, I think it was, what was it? Earlier this year, as far as I'm aware, if I remember correctly. Um, and we are also working on Pixelmator Photo for Mac. Um, right now and actually that's the one thing i'm working on so i don't know i don't know i'm not sure if, i guess the listeners probably won't know and uh what exactly i do at pixelmator <laughs> um, yeah we didn't give a proper introduction uh, actually so yeah <laughs> uh, yeah well we, we, we can do that now um so it, it's, it's, it's a bit of an interesting story i started out actually doing um i came in uh in 2015 to do community management um i did some sort of tech support um as well and eventually i moved on to, to sort of copywriting and marketing and recently i've sort of changed again and now i i do software engineering so so pretty much let's say a couple of weeks ago I, I fully transitioned to to a software engineering role so this is this is me and also product development uh, yeah some that's really cool um so i'm a, i'm kind of a jack of all trades uh maybe master of none but but you know um so yeah so I'm, well, right now i'm actually i'm working on parts of of, of pixmeter photo for mac that's what i'm that's my day-to-day um, awesome so our vision for both apps is yeah to have them on all the platforms, and really the, the the trickiest thing that 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 happened probably in 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 the history of Pixelmator was when we released Pixelmator Pro as a new app um, instead of instead of an update to the original, and really that's just a it's just a very very tricky thing to do. I think I think there's been lots of um, examples throughout you know the history of, of of apps, including Apple apps like Final Cut when they released uh, Final Cut. Pro 10, I think it was, um, mm-hmm. as, as the successor to Final Cut Pro, there was a huge sort of backlash and it took ages to actually kind of get the app back up to speed. 
Um, so, so yeah, and and that's kind of why right now there's kind of this bit, bit of lag or this unclear, slightly product line. But it's something we're working on, um, and 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 and, we, and you know the plan is to to sort of address it address it in the um, not too distant future. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and that'll be exciting for people that you do use the Mac to have a photo there because yeah, they are very different tools. Um, yeah, and and also in in the future, we I mean we we're gonna we're gonna make it easier to round through between the two apps if you want to do something layer based with a photo. Let's say we, you know, the plan is to to be able to round trip from one app to the other. Oh, that'll be um, super make nice. Some edits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> looking forward to it. And as you said, yeah, the Pixelmator, uh, you know, vanilla original on iOS, it's receiving a lot of um, attention, which is great. And uh, the machine learning, um, you know, subject uh, grabbing is is awesome. And yeah, uh, the UI and all the all the advancements you've made in the other apps are making their way back to the original, which is really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It was it was it, you know. It's I think I think I think the future is is bright for sure. Um, and I'm looking forward to to what we what we're going to be able to do. Yeah. So uh, machine learning is something I really have grown to appreciate and love about Pixelmator Photo. It, it really does help get a good starting point with cropping, with the just baseline adjustments to get things kind of in the ballpark. Sometimes I'll keep the crop. Sometimes I'll adjust it. Sometimes I'll keep the adjustments. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll change those. Um, more often than not, it gets like the temperature and like the actual white balance and all that stuff. Perfect. I don't even touch that. Um, so um, something I'm curious about is kind of the future of machine learning. Uh, we're kind of getting into a weird space with AI images. And uh, um, I'm, one thing I'd love to see with uh, machine learning is str- better like there are, there is some straightening, um, but even better straightening. And then another thing I'm curious about is machine learning for potentially like stacking, like focus and um, HDR stacking. I'd love to be able to like select like um, some old iPhone photos uh, where it did the underexposed and overexposed just as separate photos, and you know merge those through machine learning. Uh, kind of what what's the future uh, that you guys envision for machine learning? Um, so yeah, obviously I think we've all, we've all seen the, um, crazy stuff coming out with like stable diffusion and, uh, uh, Dolly, um, and, and all, and all those image, image creation models that are pretty, pretty mind blowing as far as, as far as our approach to machine learning, uh, stands is, so there's like this kind of two, um, maybe categories of machine learning models there's a generative uh generative neural networks i think they're called and the um convolutional neural networks so the generative ones generally create like detail out of nothing so right you you know you give it like a sort of general face shape and it will create facial features right Mm -hmm. nose it will add detail that wasn't there whereas the models we we use we tend to sort of we try to not like never make images worse it never add like any weird stuff to it so our our super resolution model strictly tries to um just improve the quality while retaining all the existing detail but not adding anything new that wasn't potentially wasn't there before right um so i think the future as far as like all the kind of sci-fi level stuff that we're seeing is is the more kind of generative stuff um we're, we're we're looking at this, um, but right now we don't see um, too much uh, that we want to add immediately for various reasons. I mean, one of them is just file sizes. Like the the stable diffusion um, models are like, I think four gigabytes each or something. Whereas you know our app, our entire app is like seven hundred megabytes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for stuff that because we also all our models are on device, but we don't you know some some got these online services that you kind of you know that take your well data let's say images and upload them and stuff and we're you know we're pretty big on privacy like apple yeah and um, i think it's kind so of we, essential we, we too yeah. to be like i'm in the middle of nowhere on a camping trip i want to edit some stuff at night perhaps as i'm like hiking and stuff right, and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so so i mean the future the future is interesting like all, all the all the generative models are super super exciting and obviously scary in many ways we're focusing more on more on the kind of um models that we've got right now so the stuff that powers super resolution and denoising um and color matching cropping is is all kind of based on 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 the on the less kind of sci-fi 
<laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, still, still insane. Like, still insanely powerful. And like as you mentioned, white balance. It's it's crazy how how accurate it is. And that was for a long, long time. That was a huge problem in in so many photo editing workflows where you you know white balance is something that it's difficult for humans to even get right because you know I think I, you must remember the 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 quite a few years ago now there was that the dress um yes the, the the blue and blue and black was blue and black and gold white and gold dress right mm-hmm. and so basically it was like which what colors what color is the dress um and the point is that yeah based on lighting um our like brains perceive colors differently so if you if, it, if you sort of perceive it as a as a warmly lit photo you would perceive the colors one way and and if, if not then another way whereas yeah that's, that's that's something you need to make sure a night shift is not enabled when you're editing. <laughs> turn that, turn that off. <laughs> yeah, all the, yeah, that that too. So yeah, so white balance, the machine learning power one, it's it's so good that you know it's it's better than most like humans who don't who aren't trained in adjusting uh, photos uh, and and perceiving colors kind of more objectively, uh, let's say. And yeah, and, and obviously it's a huge, hugely important part of the whole editing process because you know you can't if you if you've got a photo that's got a yellow tint and you apply a filter to it, you know, or preset, you won't be able to see the actual the the, the, the sort of real look of the preset because the colours will be sort of knocked off by the by the white balance. So yeah, I think I think machine learning has done a you know incredible an incredible thing here that, that people obviously now take for granted, which is normal, it's it's what happens. Yeah. Um so I think I think I think the future for us we've got some other um machine learning machine learning projects uh you know that we're researching it, it, these things take a quite significant amount of time and and we've had a few that we just just didn't work out we uh that we worked on in the past but maybe we'll come back to those in the future and and yeah so we, we're, we're working on stuff we're working on more ideas yeah um and we'll see what will come with that yeah is um is the idea of you know stacking something that is more of a pixelator pro slash photoshop tool or is that something that's, yeah that's a pixelated photo thing for sure yeah we, we've talked about this and so right now i can you know give a little give a little sneak reveal yeah of what we're working on so we're working on local adjustments right now um for for for, for, for the app that's something that, that's that's very important obviously pixelated photo for mac as well and once that's done we'll, we'll we plan to sort of evaluate this but this will be definitely a, a, a pixelated photo feature rather than pro um, because it's a it's a much more photography oriented feature, yeah. Excellent. That's that's really cool to hear. Um, so, what's your kind of general editing process? Uh, we didn't really chat about you as a photographer. Like, what kind of stuff do you like to capture? Are you all in on iPhone, or you do um, like DSLR stuff as well, or kind of kind of what's your capture process and also your editing process once you're in Pixelmator? Yeah. Um, so I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not a huge photographer. Um, I think part of that is, well, whenever I like, let's say, go to another country on holiday or, or on a trip or something, on a work trip, I'm always taking photos and always editing. But when I'm when I'm home, I don't know. I just never, I never, I never get this. I, well, very rarely do I take out uh, my phone. And I, yeah, I don't have a DSLR. I've, I've shot with a DSLR a few times. I used to um, have have one, but I didn't really, you know, take many pictures with it. Um, so I'm, I'm 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 definitely an iPhone guy. I've got an iPhone 13 Pro right now. Um, Love, love, love the cameras. Um, when I so before I actually upgraded this, I had I had an old iPhone and I, I I bought it in the US. Um, and I was blown away by night mode. I love taking taking nighttime photos. Yeah, so that's for me. I'm 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 an iPhoneographer. I occasionally post some shots on Instagram. I you know I'm not I don't have a I don't think I have a great eye, but but yeah through throughout my and you can get some crazy shots out of the iphone these days it, it's kind of wild oh, absolutely yeah yeah absolutely um but yeah throughout my time at, um pixel mate i've definitely i think i've kind of owned that part of my my uh that's well my perception so obviously we because I, I, I worked in you know in marketing um we i used to you know be involved in like picking out visuals and stuff so that kind of just just did, did definitely make me see things better i would say um but my editing process so when i did take photos i mean i'm again because the iphone shots are so good right out of the you know out of the the camera um i tend to before i used to quite like presets now i like the natural look a lot more and i tend to go for basic lighting adjustments 
selective color. So if I see uh, a particular color in the shot that I like, I want to make slightly stronger. That, you know, one of the first things is find that color range. Obviously, for nature shots, you just you know, without going too crazy, but ramp up the saturation of the greens and the blues. That is such and it looks good. A wild thing. I had not touched that until this year, and uh, my mind was blown that. Oh, I can transform this image from like dead grass to something that's more lively, and with fall here uh, popping the reds, like you can create some really stunning shots with selective color. That's one of my favorite like discoveries of the yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, so that's it. That's selective color. Then some of the lightness adjustments, and the contrast, black points, um, shadows, and highlights. Like so, what I, I I mean, I always try to look at like what the main subject of the shot is, and how can you make it. Um, stand out right so either by by making the subject more 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 prominent using using color using contrast um or 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 or, or you know maybe making the background less prominent but obviously it's once at first when you start it's very easy to sort of go overboard so i try to yes. I try to keep things quite i like i like to try and keep things relatively subtle relatively muted don't try and, 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 and go too far because I've seen, I must, I've seen I remember this one shot I took in uh, uh, Yosemite of a uh, tunnel, tunnel, what's it called? Um, tunnel View, right? Mm-hmm. It's called, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I edited it right when I was there, posted it on the old, uh, on the old Instagram. And then when I look back and I'm like, my God, this is just like, just saturated to the bejesus, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's just, just you can't even so yeah the point is it's difficult to to not go crazy and i and i right now i try to keep things yeah i try to keep this as as as, not as natural because you know natural natural is good but sometimes you do need that little bit of extra um so that's my process yeah gotcha yeah and yeah there are some shots where like yeah i'm gonna make this all fake and saturated and then yeah you do want yeah for most of them it's like let's make this real and lifelike here just maybe a little bit more lively um and that's something i noticed with with lightroom when i tried the free trial i noticed all my photos in there since there were so many more tools i my photos edited with the lightroom were just like highly processed and you could tell because you could um yeah. But yeah, but it's all it's all about experience. Like it's, it's you know, I guess you do have to kind of train your eye to be more, more sort of. I guess maybe objective is not the right word, but but still, like just just try and see that before it happens, because because again, you're like the brain. The brain gets used to seeing certain like you know visuals, and then yeah. and then you think, oh, that could do some some more saturation. But then when you look back on it later, it's like, wow, I didn't even see that one at the time. Like, how 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 did that happen? I think the more experience you have, the probably the less, um, the more you know, nuanced you are with your, your sliders. Yeah, which yeah. is entirely natural. Yeah, yeah. And um, some something I'm curious about. Um, so we chatted about the curves before. Um, can you dive into levels in the channel mixer and when those are kind of appropriate and good to use? Yeah. Uh, so levels, levels. So while curves is is kind of. Um, the the more selective uh, lighting adjustment right so again as, as i mentioned the sliders the sliders give you kind of baked in adjustments whereas curves lets you be more selective levels um is is just is how would i describe it i mean so one of the one of the main things that you people use levels for is setting the black and white point so for example we've got they've got the little uh sliders at the edges of the adjustment and that lets you if if you move the slider inwards, it will take again brightness values. So it starts at zero zero, and if we were in an eight bit um, system, so zero zero and two fifty six at the at the other end, so it's like the brightest white um, and and the and pure black um, on the left and and pure white on the right. And if you move the slider in, it will kind of compress uh, the tonal range, which means um, it will increase the contrast, and it lets you. But it also lets you so the, the, those those um, sliders at the edges, yeah. So the black and white point. So basically, if your image um, is slightly underexposed, let's say you've got like the shadows are kind of grey, um, whereas you know parts of them should be pure black. So you can move the slider on the left and compress the tonal range, and it will take what was, um, let's say, the slider moves in. A few pixels to the right. <laughs> it's probably hard to imagine. But the slider yeah. moves in on the left, a few pixels to the right, and let's say that the value is like 
three in terms of like from zero to 256. Um, so now what was three will now be zero and everything else also be slightly squeezed. So basically it, it kind of, it's a more selective way to, again, adjust black point, white point, and to a, to a certain extent contrast. And then the mid-tone slider and the quarter-tone sliders in between them, they let you um, adjust the the mid-tone. So it'll take like the middle gray value. Um, there's also another kind of extra point here. I'm not sure how 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 um, necessary it is to know this, but like these, these adjustments work on, on each of the red, green, and blue channels in an image because that's what's used to, you know, make up most digital images. Um, so yeah. when I say like middle... And so it sounds like doing a black and white edit, the levels is something you might want to dive into? Uh, possibly, um, possibly. But it's generally... So levels generally, if I, if, I, if I was to give a, a kind of general description of what it's good for, it's good for if you want to be selective with um, your black and white points um and adjust the the sort of gray point okay. um if if you understand what these things are but yeah, yeah so gray point is, is yeah yeah and if you don't then maybe probably best to stick to the um to the lightness sliders which do i mean which to some extent can work better because um the levels as far as i remember the levels don't work with the extended values in raw photos so let's say mm-hmm. um if you want to uh bring back let's say you've got an overexposed raw and you've got some you know extra detail in the highlights or, or underexposed and extra detail in the um in the shadows um you can bring pull those in with like the black point i think in the light adjustment and and the highlights and shadow sliders whereas i think levels may not work but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, levels is, is is quite an advanced one. Um, it's it's these, okay. these are kind and of, then the channel mixer, um, that's like colors rather than light or black points. The channel mixer, that's one actually I don't even particularly use. Um, it's a bit of a let me let me open it up so I can remember because it's been a while since I've been using it myself. Uh, yeah, so again, you've got the you've got the channels in the image. Um, red, green, and blue. And so each channel, there's like, again, brightness values from 0 to 256 or in a 16-bit image, it'll be, you know, from 0 to 65,535, I believe. Um, um, and and so you can kind of, when you put those three channels together, this is, this is kind of, I guess you need a bit of a primer on how digital color works and how light works. If you, let's say you take a red, green, and blue flashlight, it's all shine at the same spot, it will get white, right? So that's how kind of, that's called um, additive color. So when you add extra color, it creates white. Whereas the opposite to that is subtractive color, which is CMYK, which is what you print. So you start with white and then you subtract certain wavelengths by printing, putting ink on the page. And let's say once you, if you put all the inks on the uh, print, cyan, magenta, and, 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 and yellow, um, yeah, black. So with with additive color, um, the RGB system, you've you've got these sort of three lights: the red, green, and blue. Mm-hmm. The same, the pixels on the screen is also red, green, and blue. And you can and you can mix these channels. Uh, so you can say, I want to put some of the green channel. So you've got values in the green channel, right? So let's say you've got like pure a pure green color. So that's going to be zero in the red channel, zero in the blue channel, and then the maximum value either you know two five five or six five five three five you know in 16-bit yeah. maximum value in the green channel and then you can say okay i want to take some of the green channel um of this value and put it in the red channel um and then when you combine the images that will change the colors but it's a super super advanced adjustment and um, and it really isn't used very often it's kind of it's a, it was a standard back in the day when when sort of photo editing started out because a lot of these kind of more advanced adjustments for example curves the channel mixer and levels are based on how digital color is manipulated in the actual program right so right so you'll know you'll notice i'm using all these terms like you know rgb and the values and stuff like that and this is kind of how people who created the first apps it was it was easy for them to create these interfaces i think and, and kind of perceive these things whereas the stuff that uh that's more understandable to humans you know exposure highlights shadows etc um it's it's kind of i wouldn't say it's more difficult to implement but i think i think there is there is a sense of the of when when you get to the sort of more advanced stuff like selective color 
you know, it takes extra work. Whereas this is kind of very basic. You've got the inputs, um, which is the image itself, and you've got its kind of underlying data, which is the RGB channel. They're like you can manipulate these with these sliders. I know that for, with the channel mixer, there's some stuff you can do to recolor objects in a quite nice way. That's what I've used it before for, uh, in the past. Now I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've just remembered. So let's say you've got like a red car, and you want to just turn the red into yellow oh. without having to like yeah. actually actually um like mask out the the image but the problem is that obviously all the reds in the image will turn to yellow so it's not great but it but it does it does do a very nice job um of that and yeah I'll, um, i've done that with selective color before to kind of tweak a, a color but as you said it's the entire image you have to be careful <laughs> yeah yeah so that's one thing but again that, that channel mix is, is super advanced and i wouldn't say there's, there's really that much reason to use it, but it is it is kind of a staple in in output. People, there are some people that, that have used for it in quite specialized workflows, but for most yeah. people, I think selective color is a much much better way to do the same thing. Yeah, and I I, I know it used to be used for color correction as well in some weird way, but again, we've got better tools for that now. Yeah, yeah. with selective color, is something I, I kind of want is with the Apple Pencil to tap on the exact kind of color and tweak just that. But is the idea with selective color to be more of a range of these are all the greens versus this exact color? Yeah, yeah. So right now there is no way to sort of uh, narrow down the range in the adjustment. I think that's something we could we should we should look into into um, adding. Uh, and I think on canvas would also be interesting to actually like choose the color because sometimes again perception can be deceiving. You, can, you think okay, this is a green or let's say an orange, but it's more of like a, a yellow. Or even you know, or, or a cyan um, that that that's contributing to that particular part of the image. So yeah, that's 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 a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, and then um, the vignettes, I I really do uh, appreciate. And something I kind of do weird with it is I do the white vignette, uh, just like a fifteen percent to kind of create a, like a little halo effect. Is that something that's common, or is that is that a weird thing I'm using this? How have you seen others use the vignettes, both white and black? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think, I mean, the, the reason we added it is because we did like the effect. We thought, okay, if you want to make a, a white vignette or effect around it, that would be useful because it's not, it's not, I think, universal in, in vignette effects. Um, so it's, I, I do remember the conversation um, about this that, we, you know, I was, I asked, okay, so, you know, what's the idea behind this? And, and yeah, people thought it would be a kind of a nice, a nice effect to have. So I'm not sure... I don't think yeah, you're weird for it, um, <laughs> but um, I don't think it's too common. But it definitely, it definitely, it's there for a reason. So yeah, yeah, it's something it's I'm I'm doing yeah. a little bit, a fair bit with the little baby photos and like more angelic. You know, you get the little white uh, ring around mm -hmm. it. You know, nice. And uh, nice. you can't overdo it. Like uh, with black vignettes, you can kind of go crazy, and it's more subtle. But white would just look weird doing too much with it. Um, yeah. One thing I'm curious about, so like apps like Halide let you capture JPEG plus RAW. Uh, something I would love in this in the kind of workflows area of uh, Pixelmator is you can create these workflows that do all these automated effects on your photos. I would love the ability to create these more these compound files where I have a Pro RAW file. Let me do a workflow whereas I'm I'm processing the photos within uh, in Pixelmator to do the ML, you know, enhancements and at the same time add a uh, high efficiency or JPEG to the raw. Is that something that you guys have looked into, like uh, creating these more compound files as uh, one of the workflow elements within Pixelmator? So I'm trying to think what actual format, because I mean, raw, the raw format itself is, is not, um, is read only. So it can't be, you can't like save any data to a raw image. It's, it's, it's read only. I mean, you can save some metadata probably to 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 the file, I guess. Um, but raw itself is read only. So, because um, you I, have you seen this where like yeah, you'll have from Halide these like compound images where it's like two images. Yeah, you can also you can also get this. Uh, you can also get this from regular DSLRs, and we support this yeah. in, in the browser. You can you can long tap the open button, and it will let you choose. Whether if you want to edit the JPEG or the raw, so there is yeah, there is definitely a way to combine it. I'm trying to think, but then I guess we would, what we would have to create is, so the raw and then the JPEG would be like two different 
um, they would look very different. So it'd be edited JPEG, and the RAW would obviously be the original because it's it's, it's read only. Right. Um, so I guess I, there really isn't a format I, that that would be able to represent this this uh, file. Okay. Um, yeah. So when other than we'd have to create custom and custom. Which okay. Like when I um when I use stuff from a, a, a DSLR or Halide. When I choose to edit that in Pixelmator, is it only touching one of the two, or is it mirroring somehow? So when you open the, the image, you can choose to edit the JPEG or the RAW, and then when you save it, if your photo is in the in your photos library, then it will save it to the photo asset, um, the edited image, which obviously can only be a JPEG, um, and then that will be attached to the to the to the asset in the library if that answers your question I'm not gotcha sure. okay yep because yeah the problem i'm trying to solve is i don't want to be sharing out the raws um but i also don't want to duplicate files so i guess yeah for now i'm just kind of exporting and you know storing. yeah and that's and, just... and i think i think I, yeah and i think uh because because if if, the, if it was all saved in one file then obviously the, it would be the raw in the in the file as well which isn't um which makes the file size very big, and the raw wouldn't be too useful. So I think I think export is probably just a just a natural way of doing things. Yeah, another um, export slash workflow idea is targeting a file size. So instead of percentage, do you say I want to be sharing photos that are roughly ten megabytes, and whatever percentage that is, target that roughly? I know that's probably a bit more complicated than your guys's end. No, that's 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 an interesting idea. Um, I mean, I think you get the sort of when you're adjusting the slider in the export sheet, um, you get the size. You do displayed um, in the label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, do. Yeah. It's just well, uh, like if you're selecting right? like ten photos to like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, kind yeah, of the okay. scenario. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that that could be done. It'll probably try to think how it works from a sort of. UI interface, interface. That's, standpoint, that's, that's, yeah. No, no, inter- interface would be interface would be fine. But I'm trying to think, yeah, because because you have to compress each. I guess you can you can't predict how large the file is going to be based on the based on the pixel size and the because it, so the way JPEG compression works is it it depends on the content of the um, image to an extent, right? Um, especially for PNG, PNG compression, absolutely JPEG less so, but also uh, I think to an extent because it will kind of create these. Um, blocks where it optimizes the colors, and that's where you get the blocky JPEG look. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's 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 definitely possible to some extent. An interesting idea. So yeah, I'll keep, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind and pass that on to the to the gang. Very cool. Yeah, and yeah, the file size stuff. It's it's kind of wild with the Pro Raw sixty four. How the range can be like anywhere from like you got like a fifty megabyte to a hundred megabyte file resulting depending on what you're capturing. It's 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 kind of wild with that. Yeah. Um. So for black and white editing. Kind of what are there's different presets that are built into Pixelmator for this. You know what are the, what what are the adjustments to kind of make here to to make black and white photos really shine? Um, I think I'm not a big black and white guy, but one of the main things that are that a um, I think that, that that's most important to to an edit is um, so the black and white conversion process. Uh, again, you've got the <laughs> we come back to these channels, um, the red, green, and blue channels. And when you're turning it into black and white, you can choose how to uh, how bright each channel in the image should be in the resulting black and white. So basically, you can have somebody wearing a blue, let's say a blue jumper um, in a photo. And depending on, on what values you use for those red, green, and blue sliders, the blue jumper can be like bright white or completely black. Um, so that's quite an advanced thing. Um, I mean, generally for most um, for most you know basic shots, you want to just kind of focus on things. I think where there's just a lot of light and contrast, and yeah. it'll, black and white will tend to bring out you know bring out different um, lines and shapes and structures in the image. But then one of the more advanced ways to to make this you know more prominent is to use like custom you know, values for the red, green, and blue sliders to, you know, if you want if you want the blue stuff in the photo to actually be dark and let's say the red stuff to be bright or vice versa or something else, you can you can achieve that with those sliders. Gotcha. Yeah. And then um metadata in Pixelmator. Um 
location like data is that something you guys have looked into having a way to add that within Pixelmator as kind of the you're kind of working on photos and um, you know especially from DSLRs that's something you typically need to add. Uh, yeah, actually, that's something we've 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 not. I mean, looked into. We've discussed that this is something we need to address in the future. And actually, this is one of the things that um, I'll be looking to do. Um, well, as as we continue to work on on Pixelmator Photo for Mac, that's one of the things I'll be looking into. So, hope she goes well. Oh, very cool. We we might see something. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I I'm, the main the. People that just captured the iPhones, this is not an issue. But yeah, <laughs> I've learned it's like, oh, this is something I'd like to have in there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a bit on the new stuff that just got released, um, extended dynamic range for raw editing. So um, there's extended values, which let you tweak the sliders even more. But this is something different. You can enable this. And I saw this, especially with outdoor photography for raws. The blues were much brighter. And can you share a bit about this and... Something I'm also curious about is a more front-facing way to enable this. It's kind of buried within a um, a pop-up to get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, so the new EDR mode, right? Um, yeah. So this this only applies to to raw photos, um, as as you mentioned, because uh, raw photos will have extended extended um, often have extended brightness uh, data in the file. So basically, if you capture a shot of you know bright scene, um, and some of the stuff uh, gets clipped because obviously the exposure on the camera is set in such a way that that, that bright area is pure white. Um, in in raw photos, you can bring some of the detail back. That's one of the benefits of shooting raw. Uh, and EDR mode because all the latest um, Apple displays have this kind of basic normal level of brightness. But then they have extended brightness past that that they can enable selectively, and I think the Pro Display XDR can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's reference mode on the iPad Pros now, which is great for editing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as for as for the how the, how the EDR thing works, so you can kind of enable certain pixels can be brighter um, for for a period of time, and that's and that's one of the ways you can make that that missing detail in a in a well not missing invisible detail in the raw photo be displayed for a certain time. But obviously, um, if you export the image without adjusting any of the settings to, let's say, PNG or JPEG or RAW, then that extended detail won't be visible in the file because you have to bring it back um, to within the kind of regular dynamic range. So again, you've got like the, over, let's say, blown out highlights with extra detail. You turn on EDR. Those details become visible. But until there is a format uh, that we can export to that supports um, oh, okay. ex- extended dynamic range. It won't be exported. It'll just be visible for you to sort of maybe guide your edits I see. Um, as you as, as you work on the photo. But for now, there isn't. But I, as far as I know, um, this is something that should should um, be you know added in the future because there are some some formats. I think Open EXR is a format that supports Does um, high dynamic range, high efficiency codecs. I know I can take HDR stuff. Just in native I think, iPhone, I think it supports it. Uh, and yeah, so for, I'm sure people have noticed. Um, I think uh, with iPhones that now, when you sort of open up the Photos app and say browse videos and photos, I think as well, suddenly your screen gets brighter, right? Yeah. With photos. Yeah. So that's that's HDR. Um, it's just it's not possible to write that data to the high efficiency. Oh, interesting. Files okay. right now. And I, I would, I would guess, I would imagine that that's coming in the future. Maybe with the next update of MacOS, I don't know, um, and iOS. Um, but it will happen. And then, yeah, then you'll be able to also export this um, high dynamic range. And is there, uh, there's, is there any way to print this? If you had a photo printer printing from Pixelmator in the raw format, would it? There's no way to actually print that. I mean, so so printing, so printing. I mean, printing is a whole different medium. So again, you've yeah. got this additive color versus subtractive color. So with, with printing. Uh, you've got subtractive color, and you've generally got a much lower, um, a much smaller color gamut, which right. is you know the, the sort of full range of colors. You don't have the same bright greens and bright blues because just ink can't sort of shine, right? So, 
So generally printing a high dynamic range image is is not possible just because of how, just because of a different medium, because screens mm. can get super bright, whereas paper can't glow. If you yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense why it's not on by default and why it's kind of, you know, in a menu. So you can kind of toggle on and off because it'll look good to you, but it's not, ex- it won't be in the final export. Uh. Yeah, exactly. So for now, once 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 it's exportable, then I think we should definitely consider, you know, making it more visible and more prominent. Uh, yeah. And once people get more familiar with how, how this sort of, how this format works. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, hover support. Uh, talk about this with the Apple Pencil, like, and generally how you guys see the Apple Pencil. I mean, it's uh, you know the Apple Pencil is obviously uh, a really really handy tool to have with any iPad um, in all kinds of you know tasks. And Hover for now, I think it's 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 really nice to you know to have in in, in Pixmeter Photo. But I think we're going to take it to the next level once we add selective adjustments for sure. Um, we can actually use it to retouch photos selectively, retouch selective areas, mask out areas. Um, so I think I think I think I think Hover is a super cool. Um, user interaction feature and i and i look i look forward to us being able to take even more advantage of it um that's in the future. that's cool that uh potentially ma- masking as you said is coming and maybe you guys can read like portrait mode photo depth data and like make use of that in cool ways like that that'll all be very exciting stuff when it when it hits i i yeah i i should think we're looking into that yeah yeah excellent and then uh let's are the next big thing and from my understanding, this is kind of like a universal format for, say, color grading a video and DaVinci Resolve. You can export that LUT data and kind of share that same adjustments across apps. Is that the best way to describe what LUTs are? Yeah, so LUTs are basically so yeah, universal color adjustment presets. Um, again, they, they take they work in a pretty pretty I don't want to say basic way, but uh, but basically they take the, they, they kind of they call three D LUT files or cube files because what they do is they they represent all the color data in in an image, uh, the red, green, and blue channels in, in a kind of 3D cube um, because because you have three axes, right? The red, green, and blue. So if, if there were two, for example, um, it would be a 2D lot, whereas when there's three axes, um, you, can, uh, you can remap all the colors. So let's say each color will have a color code, right? Like, so pure black is 0, 0, 0, pure white is 2, 5, 6, 2, 5, 6, 2, 5, 6. Um, Sorry, two five five two five five two five five, and and in, and let's say red will be two five five zero zero etc. And what these lots do is they basically just uh, they like a sort of set of instructions to remap each color in an image to a different one. So they and and so it doesn't really matter. The reason why you can't do this with like regular presets is because each each app has its own um, color editing infrastructure right? right so our contrast adjustment works differently than the contrast adjustment in lightroom or, mm-hmm. or darkroom or you know in other apps whereas lots they're basically just a set of instructions that any app can that, that deals with colors um can understand and yeah so that that's what they are that's what they do very cool yeah i'm, I'm excited to play around with that when davinci resolve comes out because i imagine that would support lots and i could like import a look of a photo from pixelmator into there to match it in the video which would be kind of interesting yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some drawbacks uh, uh, or limitations, I should say, to to LUT. So, for example, it, certain adjustments in in in, in Pixelmator Photo and other apps uh, work non locally. So, what they do is they they don't just look at what the color is; they look at where the color is. So, let's say you know you've got a, a gray in the shadows and a gray in the midtones. If you're doing the shadows adjustment uh, in Pixelmator Photo, um, it will only adjust sort of just the colors in the shadows if 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 there's a sort of dark color which isn't in the shadows it will try not to adjust that whereas lots can't do that lots are much sort of well a little bit more basic yeah gotcha. they just go on just just the color codes yeah from a photo library management perspective have you guys considered things like smart albums flagging and rejecting that would kind of more live within pixelmator versus everything being just mirrored from apple photos like yeah, yeah, that's, that. that's that's something we'd love to we'd love to do, and I and I'm I don't I, I'm not sure we'll be able to do this for the initial release of of Pixelmator Photo for Mac, but I believe it's something we'll, we will be looking into um, relatively soon. Yeah. Obviously, in, in software development terms, soon can be <laughs> yes. disappointingly a long time away, <laughs> but it's as soon as as yeah as soon as as soon as we can get to it, we do plan to look into it, and that's something we do see for sure in Pixelmator Photo. Yeah. Excellent, and then. F- 
the app primarily assumes you're working with an Apple Photos, but you can set it into files app mode um, and like edit directly from externally attached storage and things like that. Is there anything thing, yeah. anything people should keep in mind if they want to go that route and be like, I'm going to edit libraries off external storage and go that route? Um, so the, the workflow there is, is, is not as refined as with obviously, uh, you know, the photo library. We, we have done our best to make it work uh, quite well because, I mean, the tricky thing is obviously, so let's say you've got um, a JPEG image or even a raw image um, um, and you want to save non-destructive edits to it, right? So the, the, way that, the way that we do that is we create a Pixmeter photo file and we link it to the original image file. But when you've got two files um, on a system that can, each of them can sort of be moved or renamed um, there are certain things that, that just make it difficult to create a very robust system because obviously a lot of things are out of your control without creating yeah. like your own um, library. Um, so, so the workflow with, with the photos library is going to be is going to be a lot of the time just just smoother um, because we can just do more stuff. We can be more we can be more we can have more control over what happens. Because um, that's actually another thing I've been working on is 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 bringing this kind of linked file. Um, system to Pixmeter Pro um, on the Mac. I'm revealing all our secrets. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drill. No, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so, so I just, I, I do know that it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to sort of uh, to just manage from a from from a, from a infrastructure perspective. Um, so, as far as things that you mind, if if things work for you, then it's good. Um, but you know, don't don't um, don't move around. Don't move around the files too much. Don't delete the file, uh, any any sort of link files and stuff. Um, for now, um, cause, yeah, because that can <laughs> It'll screw Other than that, if, it, yeah. if it works, if it works, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then anything of note on Pixel Mayor that we didn't touch on earlier um, with the recent updates, the just standard uh, iOS um, app. Uh, the oh yeah, the iOS app. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we the, the recent updates are big. Before that, we added. Support for Pixelmator Pro documents, and as I, as I mentioned, our long-term vision for the app is, is to is to you know add all the all the as many features as we can from um, Pixelmator Pro on the Mac. Yeah. And do you see the um, the round tripping between Photo and standard Pixelmator on iOS uh, as a thing, or is that going to be a, more of a Pro thing? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a, uh, yeah. I mean, because well, the the goal is for Pixelmator for iOS to eventually morph into Pixelmator Pro. Yes, um, because because releasing a brand new app and sort of retiring a, an old one just isn't isn't really a great thing to um to do. <laughs> we yes. learn from that, mm-hmm. um, but we don't really want to. We don't really try that again too much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and the round tripping, yeah. So it will, it will, it will. I that's something that was that's pretty a more much more long term thing, but we'll right. we'll see, we'll see. Very cool. And then anything on the upcoming roadmap that you are able to share um, that we haven't chatted about quite yet? So I've already revealed all our, all our deepest, darkest secrets. Um, no, uh, there's a really cool update coming out. I'm not sure when this uh, podcast is going to go out, um, but there's a cool update coming out next week to Pixmeter Pro. Oh, very cool. I guess uh, that's, something, that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, we'll be adding a very sort of minor sounding, but I think it's just a, a super cool thing to have. Uh, the ability to have Smooth rounded corners on rec- rounded rectangle shapes, so that lets you create the legendary squircle shape. Uh, <laughs> you know that that you see, uh, you know, iOS and macOS app icons, and in Apple's hardware design. You know, it's got these much nicer continuous curves. Yeah. So that's a very small thing, but I, I for me, that's one of my one of my favorite um, additions that you can because um, when I've sort of tried to quickly mock up, for example, app icons um, in Pixmeter Pro. I've definitely missed that, um, and I just think it's just a just it's just something that an app like Pixmeter Pro just needs to have. So yeah, yes. looking forward to that. Excellent, and that's going to be part of the export uh, tool set. Uh, no, so that's going to be part of the vector tools. So okay, creating like yep. drawing vector shapes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Very very neat. And then anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't think so. I think I think we've definitely covered a lot. So <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Excellent. Well, where can people find more information about Pixelmator, Pixelmator Pro, and Photo? Uh, just on, on the website, mostly um, pixelmator.com. Um, there's stuff on our on our YouTube channel. That's all the content right now is for Pixelmator Pro. Um, 
I do actually the voiceovers for our videos, so you might recognize the voice if you've seen any of those. And you can always come and, and, and leave us a, a comment on the, on the forum, um, or drop us an email at, um, at support.pixabeta.com. Yeah. We're always, we're always, always uh, drop us a line on, on Twitter, where we get tweets to our Twitter channel on Slack, so pretty much everybody sees every tweet. So yeah, there's lots of ways to get in touch with us and, and find out more about our apps as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting with you, and thanks for creating such an awesome app that I use pretty much every day at this point. <laughs> That's really great to hear. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Well, that was my interview with Andreas, all about Pixelmator. My thanks to him for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Learn more about Pixelmator at www.pixelmator.com. You can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash epipros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.